It's a good question. Why have I let the supreme being keep me here in the fortress of ultimate darkness? Because you... Oh, shut up. I'm speaking rhetorically. Oh, of course. I let him keep me here in order to lull him into a false sense of security. Oh, clever. <laughs> clever. When I have the map, I will be free. And the world will be different. Because I have understanding. Uh, understanding of what, Master? Of digital watches. And soon I shall have understanding of video cassette recorders and car telephones. And when I have understanding of them, I shall have understanding of computers. And when I have understanding of computers, I shall be the supreme being. God isn't interested in technology. He knows nothing of the potential of the microchip or the silicon revolution. Look how he spends his time. 43 species of parrots. Nipples for men. Slugs. Slugs? He created slugs. They can't hear. They can't speak. They can't operate machinery. I mean, are we not in the hands of a lunatic? If I were creating a world, I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. <laughs> Sorry. Karen came to the house. She's very upset. This is no good. You've got to straighten this thing out. I've have calm now. Understand? With her, we don't know what the hell she's gonna do. She's getting all hysterical. She gets very excited. She's wild. And you, you gotta take it easy. You got children. I'm not saying you gotta go back there this minute, but you gotta go back. I mean, it's the only way. Chris Gausser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Jordan Peele's third film, Matt, and his third film to debut at number one. Mm. It's going to be a whole bunch of nope after the smash success of Get Out and the thrilling, but maybe not quite as good us. Peele returns with his take on Matt, what, alien horror, comedy, social commentary, westerns, sci-fi, mystery, family drama genres. Then we're going to go ahead and pick up the slack left off by My Illness. And catch up with the films we were supposed to talk about last week, which is The Innocents, which is a Norwegian killer kids kind of Village of the Damned type thriller, and then Regina Hall in Master. A whole bunch of social commentary going on there, perhaps maybe too much. There's the death-defying rundown of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show by sharing our list of our five favorite scary kids mm. in a movie. I don't want to talk about like any kids I know. That would be right. inappropriate. Not the one down the street or your nephew that looks at you weird. That's right. <laughs> My, we need to talk about Kevin. But let's start everything off with a clip from... Nope. What did you see? Hmm? That was big. How big? Big. What did it look like? I don't know. It was fast. Too fast. Too quiet to be a plane. OJ. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Matt, Daniel Kaliua reteams with Jordan Peele, this time featuring Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, Michael Wincott coming off the bench, who mm-hmm. we haven't seen in quite a while. Basically the kind of go-to villain in your 90s action kind of horror films, right? It's nice to see Wincock coming off the bench. That was fun. And more feature in Nope. Matt, what is Nope all about? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially a brother and sister, they have inherited their father's horse farm. They are tied into the movie business. They notice that one of the horses goes missing when the brother, played by uh, OJ, played by Daniel Kaluuya, sees a what appears to be a UFO in the sky. Um, And they become determined that to change their fortunes and save their farm, they're going to get proof of alien existence on film. There you go. And I like, too, that how Peel opens the film, Matt, where he actually has that Bible verse, Nahum 3.6, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. And, Mm -hmm. Matt, I think, really, that mission statement at the beginning of the film explains everything about what Peel is up to in this movie. So, Matt... How successful is Peel 
in what I would think, and I'm not exactly, you know, breaking any uh, new ground here, is Peel's indictment basically of spectacle mm-hmm. as it permeates and takes over our society. Right. What are your thoughts on Nope? Is it another success for Peel or is it a further tick down from mm. Get Out? I will say this. So I, I didn't think Us was anything special. I don't think that's anything groundbreaking. I think there, Us has its fans, but I think a lot of people weren't as impressed with Us as they were with Get Out. I like Get Out, but I don't think it's like this revolutionary horror film that a lot of people think it is, or at least how they, you know, I didn't get that impact to me uh but this one i think for just straight enjoyment is my favorite of his films so far really yeah i think it's very suspenseful in places mm-hmm. i think it has a at least one scene of absolute true horror that made me cringe um when i saw it and Ooh, i'm gonna have to ask you about that off, off air if we don't want to be any spoiler sure is it gordy involved because for me gordy was the scariest thing of the film which i think maybe. Not a good thing. Uh, no, no, it was not Gordy involved at all. Peel is making, he's kind of moved his social commentary and I think he's focusing on this kind of, everybody's got a film, you know, it's got a, you know, a camera that's better than what they had in the seventies, like in their mm-hmm. pockets, they can have an audience to put, you know, themselves out there. And, you know, some of them unexplicably become famous um, for, their looks or whatever they're producing. And it's like people aren't starting bands. People aren't really making movies. People aren't writing books or anything like that. They're just kind of throwing themselves up on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, and they're finding their success that way. And I think it's a kind of an indictment that maybe not everything needs to be out there. That is, and then, you know, a lot of people are punished for it. That's for sure. Absolutely. So that's interesting. So you think you enjoyed this out of all of his films. This is the one you had the most fun with or enjoyed the most thought was the best yeah i think so i mean i think for me this film like i said was more of a straight horror film right and i think i liked like i said i like the suspense of it it's got some really interesting visuals in it i like kind of his nods to other things like how the joke is a every kind of alien craft is a weather balloon or UFOs. And well, this kind of says, well, why that may be kind of thing. Um, I just like kind of his deep lore dive into it. His kind of allusions to other things. I think there are some genuinely scary moments in it that are just kind of, some of it's kind of uh chilling. Some of it's kind of suspenseful. Like I said, there's really gross scenes in it. I, I don't know. I think overall as a horror film exercise, maybe, it's not groundbreaking, um, and it's not anything you haven't seen before, but I think even if it does hew to the formula a little closer than its past films, I think it works a lot better than like us, which it you know tried to adhere to a completely different formula, which I thought was a lot less effective. Yeah, I think I at the time when we discussed us, I may have said that I enjoyed it even I thought it was even a better film than Get Out. I think I've softened on that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot about us I enjoy, but I now the time has passed. I've you know ruminated about it a bit. I I feel it may be too lofty mm-hmm. to as it it does. It's not as good as its ambitions are. I guess I'll say. Yeah. I think Get Out is a much sleeker, clean you know fitter, cleaner horror film that mm-hmm. uh, is basically grabs you by the throat and never lets go. And I think Nope. This is interesting. I enjoyed the experience of watching Nope. Mm -hmm. I think it's his weakest film. Really? But that's not... It's weird. It's... I don't know. It it felt... I feel feel like it's... What's the... um, This is just occurring to me now. The Edgar Wright film. This is the end. Uh, Oh, The World's End? The World's End, yeah. right, at the, mm-hmm. yeah, the third film in the Corneo trilogy. Yeah. Where it is the best made film yeah. of the three, mm-hmm. but it's the weakest, I think, entertainment-wise of yeah. the three. Mm-hmm. If, and then I feel that's how Nope is. I think as a, as a film, Nope has a lot going for us. It's very interesting narrative. I really enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the same scares and intensity that Get Out or Us did for mm. me. In fact, it, the scariest stuff in me is the Gordy subplot. 
That I found at times the most unsettling and terrifying stuff in the film. Mm-hmm. The rest of it I found really interesting. Okay. And I really enjoyed watching it. But it didn't have this permeating dread, this terrifying vibe throughout the whole thing. It just didn't. It was more of almost a a mystery and a family drama wrapped up with dustings of horror. Mm. And I enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I think the big key to this is, and I think Peel has basically even said this at this point, is is uh, Kaliua. Mm-hmm. I think that Peel has found his muse. And I right. really, you know, directors match up your your De Niro's, your Scorsese's, you know, where they find a guy and they run with him. Yeah. And I feel like Kaliua is that man for Peel. Yeah. I think, and uh, never mind the fact that I think Kaliua is just, his presence is magnetic on this screen. And I always, and, and also too, Kiki Palmer. She is a lot of fun and she's a great, mm-hmm. there's a great turn in this as well. I don't know. It's a really interesting experience. It's not, for me, white knuckle horror type stuff. But it is, I don't know. There was something exceptionally engrossing about the film. I like the idea of the alien in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'll get a, I won't get near any of the, uh, spoilers on this but i think the general conceit of the film matt is something that i've actually talked to my wife about a lot as how how media and entertainment has colored and dare i say kind of distorted our reality mm-hmm. right and that's one of the major points that peel is going for in this film and i i like the thoughtfulness and all that stuff behind this so i don't know i've been rambling for a bit matt what do you think yeah i'm actually really surprised that you like this less than us um I mean, for me, us as an exercise in kind of like the, you know, what people think is creepy, right? You know, you've got the kind of smiling, masky faces, the twitchy movements. Um, I, I just don't think anything in it is particularly inspired, right? Whereas this, I think, you know, and maybe, you know, I will admit that I think towards the end, maybe it kind of falls apart a little bit. You know, again, I'm, I struggle to kind of not give things away, but like when it's raining outside and they're trying to like, you know, hide from it and it's like over the house in the dark and stuff like that. I thought that was a brilliant shot and it was creepy as hell while they were doing oh, the deluge. It. Yeah. That covers that. I mean, yeah. That was one of the best set pieces in the entire film. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you don't have anything like that in us like i keep ragging on us because i just i really don't like us i don't care for it at all really i don't see what the big deal with that film is but you know and get out is is a it's a much different sleeker animal where it's kind of based in reality whereas this is based in complete fantasy kind of thing so i don't know i kind of really just connected with it i i quite enjoyed it i thought the scene where he's heading into the barn you know to kind of check out a noise mm-hmm. the rain and the hiding from it and stuff like that i think yeah i thought all that was really really well done and i think this is probably the first one of his films i would buy when it comes out uh, without hesitation oh really I, yeah. I, i'll be picking it up as well i think there's enough here to definitely to enjoy it's funny too when the movie started and i will preface this by saying i did my best to avoid learning anything about this movie mm-hmm. i wanted to go in as cold as possible yeah and when it started, I was thinking, you know what I wish that this film had? It had some Keith David. I feel like <laughs> Peele would work great with Keith David. And there he is. And like 30 seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very excited about that. But I don't know. See, I think part of the issue with us is I am really enamored with Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke in that film. Mm-hmm. And then I think Samuel Hill to here. I don't know if those films hold up as well without those actors in that film and this act and even Kiki Palmer in this film. I think they do a lot of the uh, lifting yeah. for this thing. Well, I mean, I guess that's true though. You could say that's true of any kind of horror classic is, is the thing as good without Kurt Russell and, and Keith David in it? No, probably not. Yeah. Is, but like the blob remake, you don't, you could have put anybody in that thing and it would have still been fantastic. Well, true. Yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking there are certain films that are kind of, character focus to an extent whereas the blob i mean the characters are just there to get eaten i mean that's all they're there for i mean that's yeah. that's it's like kind of a different animal i don't i don't know i mean obviously i liked it a lot more than you do i think the consensus is i think chris liked it i just don't i think it just ranks third which is i 
I can be okay with, although it kind of baffles me a little bit. I would say like get outs like up here, mm. and then us is a little bit below, and then nope is like barely below mm. us. I mean, it's it's not that far a distance. It's not like I'm going A B plus and then C minus. In yeah. fact, I'm giving nope a B plus. Yeah. See, get out. I have a weird relationship with it because it doesn't seem like a horror film to me. It's more like a thriller, which I kind of draw a hard distinction with those lines are so blurry they are they are blurry they are i will admit that for a lot of people but for me it is a hard line and like i said i think i i think get out's a better film but i think i enjoyed this more than get out and i so for Mm -hmm. me it would be like no get out kind of like one one a and then like us would be like way way down there as far as if you're comparing those so i'm gonna give nope an a minus i really enjoyed it i was surprised at how much i liked it (laughs) <laughs> miles apart as always yes let me ask you there's a something i saw online which i found interesting and again i think nope has a little bit of, of this a lot of the great horror we've seen except maybe it follows now that i think about it mm. have been allegories or metaphors for other things mostly dealing with trauma mm-hmm. your mid samars right mm. all that that stuff there's always some kind of deeper meaning here Peel's work always has a lot of social commentary in it. Uh, have we kind of turned the corner on being just a straightforward Jason's coming to rip some people up and call it a day? Yeah. Like, is is uh, is that horror genre kind of gone in the mainstream? Like, even the, the Halloween reboot is all about really Jamie Lee Curtis processing her trauma and her, right. and her life and her whole family. Right. I think maybe. I mean, for me, I mean, I was never a huge fan of the Jason films, so like I didn't. Freddy. I, I mean, pick your pick your slasher. It's, yeah, that was all. But I mean, I only like the first one really. That's I mean, it's the one that I come recommend wholeheartedly without reservation. I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? Friday the Thirteenth? No, no, but no. no like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Yeah. If there's no like, t- I I can't remember, and maybe I'm just the COVID's blurring my mind. What is what has been the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of like the past five ten years? What where is that movie when it's just an unrelenting, terrifying, visceral experience mm. instead of some lofty? Not that it's bad. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious. If, is are we just in a lull with that kind of just intense, mean mm-hmm. horror? What's interesting is in the theaters, at least. I'm sure the 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 straight to video stuff or your B stuff is still yeah your B roll is still like that stuff yeah yeah I don't know I mean I guess I guess Blair Witch doesn't really have a lot of commentary Ring doesn't really have a lot of commentary I mean Get Out I mean uh, not Get Out uh, It Follows does to an extent although it's kind of light The Witch I don't really know what I mean but I think also it's kind of strange Do you think I that think we The Witch certainly does we're we're so far removed from like the time that those things were made where eighties and nineties in seventies that, you know, maybe they were yeah. making a commentary, but we don't live in that time. So it's harder for us to pick up on it. Well, that's fair. I mean, a lot of the horror films in the past had lots of, I mean, horror has never really ever been about horror. A lot of times there's a lot of social commentary, just pick a body snatchers movie. And mm-hmm. it's basically uh, an allegory of what's going on at that time. Right. Outside of the uh, horrible Daniel Craig, Nicole Kidman one. <laughs> but I, it's just an 80s horror, too, particularly, is filled with, you know, like, a, what, pushing back against Reaganomics and that whole Reagan era, that yeah. switch to conservatorship, which I think is part of what we're living through right now as well. So, but I don't know. It's just like, I don't, when I look at, so I just Googled horror films in 2000 in the aughts. Mm-hmm. And like Orphan, okay. I mean, I mean that that's talk that's preying on family and stuff, but it's not. There's no ma- major message there, which I'm very excited for that damn sequel too. Listen, folks, if you haven't seen Orphan, if you slept on that film, check it out. It is a blast. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my rear, Matt. Like Wreck, the Wreck series is pretty good, and I'm not as up on. Uh, but you'll notice that most of most most of the horrors they're either very artsy. And they're they've got a lot going for them, or they're more mild. Like you think you're conjurings, you're insidious, the black phone, right? Those are not those you're are right. PG PG thirteen films. It seems like we're kind of we're kind of splitting. You're kind of more sanitized, safe, and then you've got kind of like your artsy message films. What we don't have is those kind of video nasty kind of things that are that are just, you know, big time. 
You don't you don't see your kind of just straight up slasher dirty things except I guess the last one I can think of was probably some sh- you know dreck that Rob Zombie tried to foist on us is probably the last time it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right, folks, here's an email feedback at the first run.com. What are your thoughts on Nope? What are your thoughts on the kind of the current state of horror in general? Um, am I just, do I have COVID brain? Am I just not thinking this stuff properly? Who knows? Uh, but that's, that's that. Nope. Currently playing in theaters everywhere. Matt, let's spend a few minutes and let's move right on to, uh, the innocents. What do you say? Let's talk about sure. some, uh, creepy Norwegian kids. <laughs> So Matt, the innocence is takes place in a, in uh, Norway during the summer. It's um, do we have a timeline on this when this occurs? I feel like it's is it seventies, eighties? Is it today? I don't. Exactly I don't really know. know. There's no really points of reference. I don't really see any flat screen TVs or uh, you know smartphones or anything like that. But at the same time, there's nothing that really screams seventies either. It's timeless. That's true. I like that. Sure. And there's this group of kids in this uh, apartment complex and uh, or it's general housing complex. And one of the kids has the ability to kind of move things with his mind. Mm -hmm. And this young woman has an older sister who's autistic and she seems to have abilities as well. And there's another young lady who can talk to the autistic sister because she her speech is limited. She can't talk, but she's able to awaken stuff inside her, not just speech, but again, some of these powers. And the young boy who has the telekinesis, Matt, has a troubling youth, a troubling childhood, and turns violent. And things go horribly wrong from there. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on the innocence? Creepy kids, friend of the show, who I don't think she's ever listened to it, uh, Carrie, there's, her biggest thing is that she hates creepy kids in movies. It's the one thing that freaks <laughs> her out the most. I took her to go see the orphanage once years ago when it was in the theaters, and she yeah. was mad at me for like a month. <laughs> but um, what are your thoughts on the creepy kids genre, and how does the innocence measure up? Yeah, so I mean, this is um, this is a this is this is kind of like a Chronicle. Is that the kind of superhero or with the kids, the four teenagers? Yeah, Dane Dehane and Michael yeah. B. Jordan, and I'm blanking on the other kid. Yeah, this is like chronicle done by a scandinavian kind of thing with a with a kind of nihilistic uh lives in the snow european sensibility i think it's really interesting to kind of point out um you know that these kids that they're not necessarily even the the boy who's troubled he's not necessarily they're not necessarily bad but they're like these kids that you get confronted with the fact that kids have like a warped morality and they haven't really figured mm. things out yet. And they just kind of do things that are careless and casually cruel. And then the next second they're being sweet, you know, kids. Right. And it's kind of like a, a slap in the face to kind of, it's a cold splash of water, right. That when you watch this as an adult, like it just freaks you out because there were probably times you were that kid, uh, maybe not to the extent that they do things, but you know, I'm sure everybody watching this has done something that they, if they thought about it now, they'd be like, why the hell did I do that when I was eight years old? Mm. Because, you know, you wouldn't th- dream of doing it now. And then you throw in the fact that all these kids suddenly have superpowers. And then it's like, uh, it's a question that's been asked, you know, many, many times. What do you do with a kid who, how do you discipline a kid or any of things like that when they have powers that are beyond, what a normal person can do and they, you can't control them anymore. And they have that lack of morality. It's all, you know, a a series of interesting questions that have been asked before, but I think it's delivered in a way that is really well done. Although at the same time, it was creepy and made me uncomfortable a lot in the scenes. I don't know. This might be a one timer for some of this stuff. um, Hmm. But I, I thought it was a well made film, but I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again. 
Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Is you think is it harmed by its, as we say, deliberate pacing? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think it's kind of like it's focusing on those kind of uh, relationships. I think I was I was kind of sucked into it. I I didn't find mm-hmm. it to be particularly slow at all. Um, you know, so I guess that's something. I take it yeah. that you did. No, that'd be some of the complaints I read about when I was doing some research on the film that some people thought it was too long and sure. it spends maybe too much time with the kids. But I think that's when they're not having these encounters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's important that those uh, those turns happen because it sets up these kids and their lives and shows us who they are. And I love that that these kids' emotions and troubles are kind of manifesting in these abilities and uh it's just another again like a metaphor for you know hitting that puberty and growing up and dealing with things uh that you find challenging in your life if you especially if you come from a home that is less than ideal mm-hmm. um i gotta though admit matt i don't know i wasn't quite as forgiving as uh, for ben as it may sound that you may have been like every time that little kid showed up i'm like oh here's that little shit right what's he gonna do now well, I think you kind of, I think you kind of have a descent into those things. I mean, obviously, you get lost in it because this kid is a damaged kid. When you, when the yeah. incident with the cat happens, that's really kind of when everything goes off the deep end. I mean, before that, mm-hmm. they're destroying ant hills. Okay, again, that kind of casual cruelty, but you know, it's not anything that's like irredeemable kind of thing. He's getting bullied and picked on and stuff like that, uh, but you see that first inkling of something is off, but then at the same time you're watching him kind of interact and he's got that mask up, right? Or he's not completely lost yet. And it's like, he's still got those flashes, even though he's much more damaged than the rest of them are. There's a while there. It's like, is he going to come around? And then nope, nope. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse for, for Ben. Yeah. That scene too with the cat, man, I had a visceral reaction to yeah, that. that. I had my issue with animals, but the way they they shoot that and the sound and everything, yeah. it's very it's very disturbing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the whole film itself too, I think. Unlike me for Nope, again, I'm not the trash Nope. I'm not negging it as the uh, bros say. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to go out on a date with you if you keep negging it. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I felt this film was creepier than Nope. I think that. Leaning in, maybe this is a cultural thing, leaning into um, there's a stillness mm-hmm. to this film that I think really escalates how unsettling everything is. Also, the setting of it, the apartment complex, I think it everything is so kind of, I don't know, Matt, the, the color palette is very flat, mm-hmm. right? Lots of kind of browns and dull whites and uninspiring colors that adds this chill to everything as well. And again, like I was about to say with the with the apartment complex and our director is Skill Vat, who also wrote the film, they use some drone work here where they I, I don't know why it seems to be all the rage nowadays because I think it's so damn effective. Mm-hmm. Is when you do the drone camera shot but it's upside down mm-hmm. and you're instantly kind of put add a sense of unease because obviously everything is there's something truly wrong happening here and i think that stillness and a sense of unease makes the horror that much more effective because everything else around the kids almost feels so sanitized because it's so devoid of any life or color Mm -hmm. so everything else then it comes at the stark contrast of the acts and everything that happens around them and i think that's a big triumph for the film yeah, I mean, I definitely found this film to be much more unsettling, but uh, again, it's got a nastiness to it that Nope doesn't have, and it kind of really mm-hmm. impacted my level of fun. Like, I can appreciate this film, but I didn't. I can't say I really enjoyed this film. It's just like Hereditary or Midsummer. I can respect the craft that went into those films, and they're very effective for what they do, but I have never like any desire really to like, Oh, let's watch, let's plug midsummer in and let's watch a, a good time fun fest with this. I mean, it's not even the fun type of horror movie kind of thing. So I think that's one of these. I, I respect it. I think it's really well done. I guess I enjoyed it about as much as I guess you can, but I think yeah, I've seen it and I'm going to let it live on its own outside of my house from, from the here on out. <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> to me. Yeah. I have that, Special edition A24 Midsommar director's cut in UHD. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just shat, sat on my shelf yeah. the entire time. Yeah, I, I have Hereditary. I've never opened it. I haven't even opened it because I'm just like, mm, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, maybe when Halloween rolls around, I can uh, pop both of those open. Do an Ari Aster uh, double feature. Who knows? Man, I ought to give Innocence a B plus. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to give it a B. Worlds apart, but like I said, it's a B that that will be filed away and never never looked in, looked at again. Fair. If yeah. you've had a chance to see The Innocence, we'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, feedback at thefirstrun.com. Uh, this is a rental right now. I don't believe it's streaming on any of the services. Mm-hmm. You'd have to uh, rent it online. All right, Matt. You know, I watched... My, it was my birthday uh, mm-hmm. last week. It was. So I watched... I finally watched my Drive UHD. And it looks phenomenal. And it was wonderful revisiting that film again. Really I haven't well. watched it in a few years. And watching it there and that... On my new TV with the color... Oh, oh. beautiful experience. Oh, was, oh. Were you were you, you know, recovering? Were you all snuggled up in a blanket while you're watching it? Cozy. Trying Basically. to get over COVID, yeah. That's exactly what it threw. It got me through all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Good for you, man. How dare you? All right, fine. <laughs> Let's go ahead then. Speaking of yeah, by the way, media. I mean, I forgot to I forgot to wish you a happy birthday. So happy birthday, happy twenty yeah, fifth, happy twenty yeah. fifth. You're on your. It's all downhill from here, my friend. That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of physical media, Matt, let's talk about what's coming up this upcoming Tuesday. First, I'm going to mention a couple of the big stuff that came out last week that we missed because I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll dive into the rest of it. But um, I don't know. Will this be one that Matt picks up? You are now called before the Illuminati. I, Baron Karl Mordo, the Sorcerer Supreme. You hear Carl? Captain Carter, the first Avenger. Blackagar Baltagun, keeper of the Terrigen Mists, the Inhuman King. Blackagar Baltagard? Huh. Hit a guy, hit a there. Captain Marvel, defender of the cosmos. And the smartest man alive, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Hello, Stephen. Fantastic Four. Didn't you guys chart in the 60s? I'm sorry, is this a joke to you? Well, there's a guy over there with a fork on his head, so yeah, a little bit. Be grateful Black Bolt doesn't engage you in conversation. Why? Does he have bad breath? Man, that is some <laughs> bad jokes. Those are some... Uh... Yeah, those are some real zingers. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> so, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness got its physical release last Tuesday, Matt, July 26th. If you bought it from Best Buy, you got a steelbook. Walmart has a special pin, and Target has some two unique art prints that come with it. Uh, Dolby Atmos audio, but no Dolby Vision. Hmm. So uh, I still don't know why Disney just refuses to put out their films in Dolby Vision. Probably because they just don't want their special effects to look that much worse. Yeah. I have absolutely I mean, no idea. A, I think it, maybe it's just a personal vendetta. They're out to annoy you. Uh, they're Could tired be. of your Disney criticism. Um, but you're probably right. I mean, obviously, especially this kind of latest slate, the effects have not been great, as uh, we talked about, I think, a week or two ago. So you probably don't want to highlight that. Uh, keep that on the download as much as you can. Yeah, uh, I'm not prepared to talk about it. Maybe we can spend a few minutes on it next week. Mm-hmm. The uh, San Diego Comic Con MCU slate because I guess yeah. they, had a lot, they announced a bunch they of did. stuff. They did. So maybe we can tackle that as part. Maybe we'll do that for the. Uh, we haven't done a lounge in a while. Maybe oh, we'll yeah, do that we next done week. A lounge, yeah. So uh, where else we got the audio commentary featuring Sam Raimi, which is good. Three featurettes, some bloopers, and three deleted scenes. The Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum film The Lost City is being released, or I should say has been released, includes some deleted scenes and making of featurettes. Decal releasing put out Pleasure. Uh, this is the one about the young woman from Sweden, Sweden, who comes to Los Angeles to get into the adult film business, and it's supposed to be a very raw, authentic look inside that business. It's actually in our to-do list. Maybe I shouldn't have put it that way, but uh, <laughs> is to be watched. I don't know if we will get to it, but it is out now. Yeah. Coming up August 2nd, this upcoming Tuesday, to bring us to the uh, now, the here and the now and the fly and the ointment. What's that from, Matt? I oh, no, is, is that what he says? I have no idea. The here and the now in the pin in the, I don't know, from Malice with Alec Baldwin and mm. Nicole Kidman and Bill Pullman. Mm-hmm. Great little thriller. IFC is putting out Cow, which is a documentary uh, about a closer portrait about the daily lives of two cows. RLJ Entertainment is putting out White Elephant. Next Marine officer must battle his conscience and code of honor when he is forced to do things for the mob. This is unfortunately another Bruce Willis film. Mm. 
Cohen Media Group is putting out apples amidst a worldwide pandemic that causes sudden amnesia. Middle-aged heiress finds himself enrolled in a recovery program designed to help unclaimed patients build new identities. Taika Waititi in conversation with the director Christos Nike and more. 499, Matt. Upon the 500th anniversary of the Spanish conquest, a ghostly conquistador arrives in modern Mexico. As he journeys toward the capital city, he remembers events from his past while encountering the testimonies of real people, the survivors of contemporary violence. Includes an audio commentary with the director and uh, making of featurette. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is doing a second printing of the essential Jacques Demy films, which includes Lola, Bay of Angels, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, The Young Girls of Rochefort, Donkey Skin, and Un Chambre en Vol. I'm sure I totally nailed that. <laughs> Shout Factory is putting out Last Days in the Desert. This is with uh, Ewan Gregor playing Jesus. And this is about Christ's last days of fasting in the desert as he walks back to civilization. Kino Lorber is putting out a trio of Chuck Norris films, Matt, just for you. 2K Restorations, all of The Octagon, Good Guys Wear Black, and A Force of One. All of them include new audio commentaries as well as um, uh, archival making of featurettes. Scorpion is putting out the TV thriller High Desert Kill with a brand new 2K restoration and two aspect ratio choices. UHD releases Arrow is putting out Joel Schumacher's Flatliners. This is the original film mm. with Julia Roberts and uh, Kiefer Sutherland and I'm blanking on the rest. A brand new 4K restoration of that with a Dolby Vision HDR presentation. Uh, new audio commentary. Uh, just things loaded. Ton of stuff. Also supposedly coming out, though I have not... Oh yeah, it's not August 6th yet. 2nd yet, Chris. That's why. Tenebra is being put out by Synapse. This is the Dario Argento film in UHD. I am very excited, Matt, for this one. Is it my favorite Argento giallo? No. But I've always enjoyed it, so I am excited to get this one. The brand new 4K restoration. A limited edition packaging includes an illustrated booklet. It has the original version of the film on Blu-ray as well as UHD. And then it includes, as a limited edition exclusive, the Unsane version, which is what it was referred to here in the States, Unsane. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, that's in UHD as well, okay. Unsane. It's basically the 90-minute U.S. edit, which isn't quite as intense, but you get that here. You're straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. Oh, I'm going to do something special. I'm doing something different. I was doing some research on this. Um, I straight to DVD pick. It's called Catch the Heat from Kino Lorber, and it is... It's, it's beautiful. It's, a cop goes undercover, Matt, to infiltrate a drug ring, and she goes by the name of Cinderella Pew, a Chinese dancer with a unique martial arts style. An agent who is actually at the center of the ring is attracted by Pew and claims he can make her a star. And I'm going to play you an audio clip from that film okay. that basically breaks down the plot. Enjoy. Augmentation? Augmentation. Well... It's a term. It's a term that they use in cosmetic surgery. What they do is they make a slit, and then they lift up the flap, and then they put in the silicones. Relatively speaking, it's absolutely uh, painless. Uh, I like my breasts. Not too big, not too little. Just right for Cinderella. Yeah, well, what I'm trying to say is, from a business point of view, it would be better if your breasts were big as far as working in the United uh, States. So what I'm really advising you to do is have the implantation. Oh. I think about it. I let you know. <laughs> I ask fortune teller, too. Why don't you do that? Why don't you turn the knob? Why don't you use the knob? What is what is the matter with you? I know how they've been doing it. Who? What? What? Getting the China White into the States. There's no reason to come in here and go bananas. They take girls who dream about being singers and dancers and they stuff the dope up into their breasts. So, all right. So that's her undercover in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Figures out what the plot is. And then she goes to her handler, 
uh, explained she's figured out the big plot of how they're getting the drugs into the country. Yeah. And uh, that sounds it sounds amazing. That's some Tommy <laughs> Wiseau level stuff right there. <laughs> I love that he repeats like twice. Why don't you use the knob? Because she kicks the she kicks the door down. Oh, okay. It's uh, good stuff. So that is uh, catch the heat. Enjoy. What should we be streaming this week, Matt? Besides, of course, tracking down catch the heat. Exactly. I'm going to recommend um, available on HBO Max uh, one of David Lynch's early films, Eraserhead, where a dude has to deal with his job and his wife and his mutant baby. That's really all I can say about what this film is about. It's just Lynch at his weirdest level of youth. He is, it's a, it's a wild film that I think uh, people should check out. Nice. Good times. Gather family all around. (laughs) All right, Matt, let's keep rolling now. Let's talk about the last film in our show this week. Master. Legends. Ancaster College is crowded with them. When you go to a school that's nearly as old as the country, you can expect to hear a few. Like maybe you've heard that FDR was rejected from Ancaster and had to settle for his safety school, Harvard. (laughs) Now, while I can't confirm that, I can say that two US presidents and an army of senators count this school as their alma mater. Perhaps you've heard of the legend of Margaret Millet, a woman hanged for practicing witchcraft not too far from where this building stands. Now that is true. But believe me when I say the only thing that will haunt you this year is that extra slice of pizza. (laughs) God, who wrote this film? The guy did Doctor Strange? Matt, why don't you tell everybody, what is Master all about? So Regina Hall plays a um, professor who is given the responsibility of uh, being like uh, uh, the headmaster of one of the dorms or one of the student housing buildings, uh, dorm mom kind of thing. And she kind of uh, takes one of her students under her wing or, uh, and this student is confronted with visions that may be um, the doings of a ghost and the curse of her being in her particular room. I watched this like two weeks ago, so I can't even remember what it's all about at this point. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's basically it. Regina Hall and Zoe Renee are, are, are features here. There's two different tracks, Matt, that we go down in this film. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the big problems with this movie yeah. is that these two characters have these two different plot lines and they rarely intersect. Yeah. And it, it, it makes the film feel very disjointed. It feels very scattered. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to kind of grab onto one particular plot line because they're so separated unless until the film needs them to come together. Right. Uh, I felt it's just it's felt like very clumsy at times. And for me, one of the most offensive things for the for, the, for me was how I feel lazy the movie is. Yeah. And it's desire to basically just check off a list of racist tropes. I feel like this, there could be, I, I, how do I want to put this? So there's just not an ounce of subtlety mm-hmm. in this film at all. If you have been frozen in ice for the past 100 years and were recently awoken and had no idea about the current state of race relations in this country, then this film may be helpful for you as like an after-school special kind of ticking off of some of the macro and microaggressions Mm -hmm. that people of color have to experience in this film. Correct, yes. But the problem is it runs like a sledgehammer Mm -hmm. with all of that stuff. That's my opinion, Matt. I don't want to speak for you. You are much more woke as the kids say than i am which is actually not true at all it's actually quite the opposite (laughs) but but still i i don't know there was just and because it's it's just it was a very frustrating experience for me it's very it was like crap paul haggis crash levels of hey did you know racism is bad yeah what was your experience so i think this is so this was written and directed by um mariama diallo i believe this is her Mm -hmm. first directorial effort i believe 
Well, let's look. Um, I believe it is. At least feature. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, she has some shorts. Um, the one before this was called White Devil. Um, so, you know, she's a black woman. This is her first major feature film. I have the feeling that this is probably something that was greenlit by a studio based off of the success of Get Out because, you know, they're probably only saying, hey, this is what people want to see kind of thing, kind of ignoring the craftsmanship uh, and subtlety that Jordan Peele puts into the thing. I agree with you. It's kind of uh, clumsy in its representation and of of these kind of microaggressions. But at the same time, you know, I... I have no frame of reference of whether how accurate any of that stuff is. It could be incredibly accurate. I don't really know because I'm not subject to those kinds of things. What I will say is a valid criticism of this film is she needed to pick a lane and stick with it. She either needed to stick with Regina yeah. Hall's character or she needed to stick with uh, Zoe Renee's character. If I I'm okay with Regina Hall, but if I was if it was me making the film, I would have stuck with uh, Zoe Renee because she was way more um, interesting to me than what was mm-hmm. going on when, with Regina Hall. And I mean, and, and some of the choices in this are just eye rolling. I mean, the callback to to the, the twist of of back to you know Dola's eye or whatever her name was. I mean, if, I was like, of course, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, of course, I know, I saw that coming a mile away, but sure. And then, like, uh, I was actually really disappointed. I was really hoping I would get a lot more of a supernatural thriller that kind of mm-hmm. kind of tied into all these things and maybe could have made a commentary on that, talking about the way things were in the past. And I, I, I done something with it, and none of that's here. Like, it's it's billed as a supernatural horror film, but I, I, I don't see it. I think she's really just trying to do too much. She's trying to throw too much onto the screen. It's not focused, um, and it ultimately suffers for it. Yeah, I agree entirely. I think the thrills and the story plainly are undercut by the societal points that she's attempting to make. I mean, I've done a lot of this work. I'm not even talking about DEI training, right, Mm. through work and stuff. I've actually been participants, and I'm like a certified, how is it? Damn, it's been so long now. I've already blanked on what it was. It was back when I was going to my um, Unitarian church days. Mm, Okay. Uh, but it was a whole course on uh, racial justice and actually mm-hmm. speaking up mm-hmm. instead of just being like a white guy who just kind of stays quiet with sure. that stuff. And I mean, I imagine there's maybe a lot of this stuff is eye-opening if you haven't had any experience with any of this stuff, perhaps. That, that's fine. I don't know. But like you said, Matt, the key core of the problem outside of the, I think the clumsily handling of this stuff is, again, the two tracks and the not focusing on one thing. There are some interesting moments. I think when, when Zoe Renee's Jasmine Moore looks at the painting of mm. the, uh, like one of the founders of the school and it has this really terrifying Francis Bacon distorted look yeah, to it yeah, that yeah. kind of disappears. Yeah. I that Very was effective cool. scare. Yeah. That yeah. Was cool. And there's, there, there are a couple moments in this film here, but like you said, it's just, it's just too messy. Yeah. And, um, if we had focused on just one person, I think we had a much more successful experience. I think the supernatural stuff may come into like the end when, when uh, Regina Hall's character is meeting with the the rest of the professors and stuff, and mm-hmm. there's almost a shining X moment where she the she's seeing people sitting at tables and flashes to pictures from like a hundred years ago of yeah. the same people, right? Yeah. There's that mm-hmm. kind of thing too, showing how th- nothing's really changed. Yeah. She has a re- revelation that the only reason why she was hired was to try and paper over the racist history of the school, mm-hmm. things like that. And then the ending of it too, it's just very unsatisfying, I think, yeah. too. You yeah. know, you, you set up this terrifying, allegedly supernatural <laughs> horror stuff and everything kind of just, it, it slowly kind of just runs out of gas. Yeah. And I mean, there's lots of homage. There's a Spiria nod in here. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. So yeah. I think she clearly knows where she's coming from with this stuff. It's just, it's too Yeah, used. could have used the stamp of a good editor, really. It needed a few more rewrites. I think once the storyline, the plot line of Zoe Renee's character kind of wraps up and there's still like 25 minutes left in the movie, I think that's really when it falls off a cliff. Um, yep. And, you know, I, I'll give you, I'll give you, if this was sticking with the school metaphor, I'll give you a C plus for effort, um, but uh, do better next time. <laughs> yeah, I had a C minus myself. Mm. So you've got a chance to see Master. It's currently available to stream on Amazon Prime. Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. 
Well, that was disappointing. Because when I saw the trailer for this and I read about it, I'm like, oh, this could be really interesially Yeah. You know, especially in academia. Yeah. All the stuff that's happening now with diversity hires. Um, and the, I mean, I should say the, uh, not hires, but the um, attendance mm-hmm. stuff where, you know, there's lawsuits now about all that stuff. I mean, it could have been really interesting and it's just, it's too bad. All right, man. Let's wrap the big show up and talk about our five favorite scary kids in the movies. (laughs) I bought you something, Mommy. And the, the best part of that scene is like he's walking towards her with a knife in his hand. Like he's got, he's not even hiding the something. It's right there. And she's still like, oh, let's go, let's go near my dead son. Ugh. I will say that in Pet Cemetery, that scene though, when he uh, cuts Fred. Oh, Wynn's, yeah. Mouth. Uh, tendon. Yeah. Oh, or yeah, not too, tendon. but the tendon yeah. in, the, in the foot, but in the mouth yeah. too is pretty intense. Yeah. But it's still a film that I don't think is that good. There's like a, some. I don't know if there's nostalgia. Some people seem to really like that Pet yeah. Cemetery film. I just Well, I think I think it kind of goes back to they were probably it's probably one of the first horror films they watched when they were like in sixth grade on sleepover or something, so they have mm. it with rose colored glasses. I mean it, that book is really messed up and like they just did it so wrong. Like the whole point of the kid is like he's talking like a kid, but he's talking like an adult. Like he's got the intelligence of an adult, whereas that's really just a kid, you know, and the mugging that he's doing. Ugh. You know what? I will say this. For all of its faults, the remake, the the switch to the girl was much, much creepier. Ellie was much creepier as a, uh, you know, because they were having a, a 12-year-old do it as opposed to a, a three-year-old. Yeah, I think that's that might be fair. But man, I hated that remake. I yeah. think that may be even worse in the, than the first film. I don't know. I don't know if it's worse. I think the other one, the, the original's cheesy. Whereas I think the, the second yes. one is just incompetent. See, I would take cheesy over incompetent any day of the week. You think so? But it's yeah, got yeah, flashes absolutely. of competence. I still think Ellie is scarier than than Gage. Yes, I think that decision was the right decision. I had no idea about the book that the um, he actually talks like an adult. Yeah, I mean, he's like it's like you know supposed to is be he possessed by a demon. Yeah, his is body has basically just been taken over by like some demon from hell or something, and it, like he sounds like a three year old, but he's talking. It's like you or me. Like, uh, he sounds like uh, as sophisticated as an ageless demon can be. You know, okay. which is what we sound like. Exactly. <laughs> well, Maddie, what do you think? You want to do your movie? Please stop that. Okay. <laughs> That's creepier. That's creepier than anything that we've seen so far. All right, Matt. Start us off. What's your fifth creepiest or scariest kid in the movies for you? All right. So my number five is uh, Mercy and Jonas, the two young twins from The Vich. Anya Taylor-Joy kind of is the focus of this. And then she's got a a pubescent brother who unfortunately meets a gruesome end. But uh, it turns out that Mercy and Jonas, the creepy little bastards, are not only trying to actively ruin Anya Taylor-Joy and get her killed. Um, they're in league with the devil. Or at least one of his servants in Black Phillip. Um, they are just a creepy set of little monsters who are just one more creepy layer in a very creepy movie. I should watch that again. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I watched it right before The Northman. Hmm. So uh, yeah, it still holds up pretty well. So my number five, I'm terrified how cliched my list is, but mm. it is what it is, Matt. Yeah. My number five is the burlap sack kid from the orphanage, a film mm. I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, this young woman takes, uh, she's running an orphanage and there are weird little ghost kids in adorable little dresses. Mm-hmm. And this one kid wears a burlap sack on his head and then just comes out of the shadows and growls at you all the time. <laughs> And he just appears and disappears, bites you occasionally. Yeah. But that kid, man, it was creepy as all hell. So yeah. uh, he's my number five. Really sets yeah. the tone of that whole film. Orphanage is pretty creepy. All right, so my number four is Owen from the American adaption of the uh, of Let the Right One In um, with Let Me In. 
Um, mm-hmm. As played by Cody Smith McPhee, he does a really good job of being like an unsettling kind of formative serial killer. Like you can see that uh, McPhee kind of really does, I think, better than the Oscar character does, where you can see that there's something off with him from like frame one kind of thing. Yeah. And whereas Oscar is more of a kind of a tragic case where it's like this is just something he was always going to be and he's just been pushed into giving that little nudge that he needs to kind of become what he's going to become and i thought smith mcphee i think does a really good job of of being a little creep he's kind of cornered that market now yeah good for him (laughs) my number four is a character who's been plaguing this entire country now for about it's been about 10 years Mm mm-hmm but the original Karen mm. from uh, Night of the Living Dead, mm. the little girl in the basement, yeah, who is slowly succumbing to her bite wounds and her family terrified about what to do with her. And then she finally turns into a zombie, takes a garden hoe, stabs her family. They come down and they find her and she's eating. Is it her mother? It's been so long since I've watched the film. Yeah, uh, it is... No, I, who is she eating? I think she's eating her father. Her, her father, okay. yeah, because then the famous scene is when her mother comes out, she does the same thing that Denise Crosby just said, oh, come to mommy, and she's got a spade in her hand for yeah, some yeah. reason, and then she stabs mom. There it is. Thank you. But mm-hmm. Karen, is a, I remember I watched Night of the Living Dead as a kid, and it creeped me the hell out. And having her turn I think, is just it was really unsettling, and it always stuck with me. Let me ask you a quick little diversion, Matt. Mm-hmm. Did you ever... Here, because this was all the rage when I was a kid. I mean, we had these little party videos on VHS that we you know make the rounds before the internet. Yeah, and it was called. It was I'm butchering this, but it was like Night of the Dawn of the Day, and it was like all these different names of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And basically, these people had taken because you know Night of the Living Dead is uh, in the public domain. Mm-hmm. They took the film and then they redid all the audio. They stripped out the audio <laughs> and then did new. Okay audio in it have you ever seen that or heard about that uh, no i haven't i have not seen that no uh i'm desperate to try and track it down All somehow right. i should just see if it's on youtube or something it must yeah. be out there somewhere somebody's got to have uploaded it somewhere so and it's not like it even, my f- it's not like it even could get taken down because like you said uh not a living death yeah. in the public domain so Man, my friends and I used to quote that thing all the time. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can track it down. All right, Matt, go ahead. Next. Um, all right, so my number three is um, a uh, another orphan. It's Esther from the movie Orphan. A uh, couple um, is devastated at the loss of their child, um, and they decide to um, adopt a child. So they go down to the orphanage, pick up a, a precocious nine-year-old who they think is charming, and they bring her home. The brother immediately hates her. The little sister is kind of enamored with her. But then they start to learn that not as all as it seems. And I won't spoil it for you, um, this little bad seed tale that they have. But it's it's a twist that I didn't necessarily see coming towards the end there. Yeah, actually, Esther's my number three as well. Okay, I have always loved Orphan. I remember... Man, did I see this in the theater? I don't think I did. I think I bought it used on DVD at Blockbuster because I'd heard good things about it. And then mm-hmm. I watched it at home and I'm like, holy S. Yeah. And it it is a lot of fun. Features Vera Farmiga, Peter Sarsgaard, and of course, Isabel Furman plays Esther. They're doing a prequel mm-hmm. called uh, Orphan First Kill, which okay. I am very excited to check out. And good news, Matt. It is going to premiere, I think, on Peacock. Okay. Uh, so you won't have to go to the theaters to watch it. Very nice. So, uh, but yeah, a big fan of Esther. No, Orphan is my number three as well. All right. So it makes me wonder if we have our if we have the same one and twos, but I have a feeling they'll be flipped. Um, but Maybe. We'll see. Uh, all right. So my number two is an obviously the quintessential kind of stereotypical freaky ass kid. It's Damien from The Omen. Just a faceless doll, uh, you know, blank stares. You know, you've got the the <laughs> Latin chanting in the background. And Gregory Peck just really just all kinds of put out by his suddenly incredibly <laughs> evil uh, little uh, Satan spawn. I, yeah, I think that's my number two. I think it's obviously, if you're going to have a list of creepy kids, I think Damien has to be on it, just out of principle. So Damien is not on my list. Oh, okay. It, he is an honorable mention for me, obviously, but it's it's everything around him is what's terrifying mm-hmm. for me. 
It's the the au pair who takes her, who hangs herself. This is Damien, for you. It's all for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I still get a chill when I think about it. Again, yeah. David Warner, who we played a clip just recently, passed away in the opening of the show. Yeah, he played the, one of the. I think what it is is that The Omen is one of the first horror films I saw as a kid, mm. and because I think it may have been PG. No, there's no. no way I can't with that decapitation. Been. It can't be. Yeah, you're right. No, yeah. it couldn't have been. I remember seeing it though, and that was that's what I was about to get to. Is that decapitation? Mm stuck with me for the rest of my life and i think it's what informed my weird obsession with decapitations <laughs> or exploding heads all right was that scene with david warner so uh yeah no not in my list though my number two which i guess maybe not on your list because we must have the same number one if we don't we should probably just close the show up okay. call it a day mm-hmm. but my number two are the grady twins from the shining oh yeah yeah. Holding hands, asking mm-hmm. Danny to come play with them forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And I think what makes them so creepy is when Kubrick does the jump cut to their bodies being all cut up by the axe and the blood all over the walls and yeah. then jumping back to them holding hands and asking them him to play. Yeah. And that back and forth thing. Again, another horror film I saw as a kid. Peering through the the banister of my stairs, looking at it, when my parents watched it on like spotlight, <laughs> and I'm running back to my bedroom crying because I was so terrified. <laughs> so uh, the Grady twins are my number two. All right. Uh, well, I'm really interested to see what your number one is. I mean, again, this is kind of a layup, but I'm I'm gonna go with Reagan from The Exorcist. Um, uh, she that is a movie that still scares the shit out of me i'm not really i mean i hesitate to say atheist but i I am pretty agnostic and i'm not really sold on kind of the organized religion thing and like that's the way to do things but just by the sheer fact that like millions of people in the world in the abrahamic religions believe that this is true that this this being exists or beings like this exist when it's late at night and you're by yourself, suddenly it seems much more plausible that the devil is hiding under your bed. Um, so, and you know, Linda Blair is just absolutely fantastic in the role. I mean, it, it, it fucked her up for life, but she's, uh, it's, it's, it's really effective. That's for sure. Absolutely. And Regan is, is my number one as well. Mm-hmm. Regan. Yeah. It's, I don't think there's any other option. In fact, at one point I thought about calling this my honorary Reagan list mm. uh, just to get her out of there because she was easily going to be number one. Absolutely terrifying film, man. And it, it, it's... If you're at a point in your life, kind of like Citizen Kane was for me, where you're thinking like, well, it's it's Exorcist. It's horror. Everybody's seen it. You know, yeah. if it feels like homework, trust me. Watch it. Yeah. It still holds up to this day. It is still terrifying. I love, too, when they released that. I don't know if it's called the director's cut, whatever it is, when they put that spider walk yeah, scene no, back no, into yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Sweet Christ, that's I haven't watched that in a long time too. Maybe that'll hit the uh, the old racks this uh, upcoming Halloween. I haven't watched that in a very long time. Yeah, that's a good one. Is that, so, do they have a UHD of that yet? I don't believe so. No, okay. that'll be one I'll be picking up. I'll be upgrading for that because I don't have it on Blu-ray. I only have it on DVD. Oh yeah, I bought the um, digit not the digibook one, but it's yeah. I bought the nice like anniversary edition with the uh, director's cut and mm-hmm. the I think the traditional cut years a couple years ago. So. I think I'm all set. Honorable mentions for you. Uh, the Grady Twins, um, Samara from The Ring, especially before she becomes a ghost. Um, Ellie yep. from The Light Run In, slash Abby from Let Me In. Um, and mm-hmm. then Ellie from Pet Cemetery, the remake. I thought that she was much better than Gage. I would say Rhoda Penmark from The Bad Seed, mm-hmm. the classic horror film. That one's actually pretty damn creepy. Mm-hmm. Santi from Devil's Backbone, yep. Guillermo del Toro's film. Uh, Charlie from Hereditary, Adrian and Rosemary's Baby, even though we never see him, but there's right. something up with his eyes. <laughs> uh, and though I think it's a trash film, uh, Isaac and Children of the Corn yeah. is another creepy guy. It's all hell kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go, folks. Who are your five favorite scary kids in the movie? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what's coming up on The Big Shoe shoe? next week? Well, we're finally catching up with Marcel the Shell, which we were supposed to see, I think, this past week. But things conspired against us. But it is released wide, so we are going to go see the Feel Good Family uh, animation film of the summer. And then I think think our Malik uh, marathon starts. It does indeed. Days of Heaven. Mm. So uh, I think this... I have the Criterion disc too i think it's now out of print okay so um in fact i did that there was a day they announced that like four or five of the films were going out of print and i ran to like barnes and noble <laughs> and picked them all up 
But uh, yeah, so I'm very excited about the Malik Marathon. Mm-hmm. Catch up on the Malik films I have not seen. Me too. And that will be fun. We always enjoy our marathons. And the marathon after that, I think, kicks off in Halloween, which is all werewolf movies. Yeah, so. those are going to be... The, the quality of werewolf movies is wild. It's wildly <laughs> uneven. So we're going for some, some treats, I'm sure. There you go. Uh, in the meantime, you can check us out, of course, at thefirstrun.com. You can find an archive of all the old shows, as well as a report card and more. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And Matt, I guess uh, that's going to be it for this week. So the stinger this week, actually, Jordan Peele just played it. He posted, I think, a day or so ago. And it's the theme from the Gordy TV show. Mm. So I thought people who hadn't had a chance to hear it, you can check it out. So everybody take care of yourselves. Uh, We love you very much. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon.